0: Bikini Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sean Bingham, Director of Risk Management here at Bikini Flavel. And today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. And welcome again to our Hot Commodity podcast. Today, I have with us Craig Ruffalo, Vice President of McKinney-Flavel. Craig, how's that ARC building going in California? (laughs) Are you gathering up two of everything?
1: (laughs) God, you know it, Sean. I mean, I just watched the news last night. And they said between the 26th of December and the 15th of January, our little town of Moraga, California received 19 and a half inches of rain. Wow. So yes, we are looking to build arcs. So anybody that's an arc building <laughs> uh, expert, please apply. We, we, we could use your assistance and yeah, expertise.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, that, that's just that's just a crazy amount of rain. And I'm I mean, I'm not from that area. Been there a few times. Um, I mean, I'm thinking uh, mudslides, uh, a problem at some point. Yeah. In fact, uh, in a little highway not too far from my parents' house, a big major
1: uh, tree and landslide knocked out the highway for about... 10 hours. Um, And and it's not that bad where we are. If you're really looking for where the disaster in California is with all the news that has been uh, reported about it is you just go into the Central Valley where all the agriculture is. Yeah, And there are a lot of levees have broken, a lot of flood areas from tributaries off of the Sacramento River. And that's where the real problem is. A lot of people have lost a lot of land, money, uh, houses, you name it, crops, so that's where the real damage to California has been, and we've got a snowpack now that's 258 percent of normal. So now we're wow. we're you know it's feast or famine out here in California for rain. It's yeah no it's... rain or the
0: fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's that uh, weather volatility everybody keeps. That's talking. right. I mean, I guess good good thing in the long term reservoirs get filled back up, right? The hydroelectric generation starts to power up. Uh, better yeah
1: there's a silver lining in all this and as Californians we can't complain when we get rain and that's just a part of uh the thing is is that if you've been in a drought for four years or five years as they've claimed that we need the rain so we're not going to complain too hard it's just some temporary hardships on some folks and if anybody wanted yep. to look at uh, whether La Niña has been broken, I think that this signals the answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was t- talking about that in my morning comments, and uh, yeah, you couldn't help but uh, talk about California when you when you talk about the the end of uh, La Niña. Anyway, that's right. We're gonna jump on a little bit different subject. I think we wanted to just talk about it. it's a, it's a brand new year, still t- uh, kind of fresh, even though it's the twentieth. But uh, you know, kind of what kind of what commodities look like in the first quarter, first half of the year and the biases. And uh, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, Sean, it's it's kind of an interesting topic because I think my first statement to somebody when I jumped right into 2023, and that's actually the right term is jumped. I, I feel like we're running as soon as we open the door. I mean it's a, kind of like a horse race, you know, the gates are open and off we run. We were, there was no
0: sauntering into the 2023 year. You know, Nicole Thomas said the exact same thing as you did <laughs> to me this morning that that it was later like, yeah. used to be like this lull early yeah. in the year and you just kind of warmed your way into it. But this but it's not like that anymore. No, and I think that
1: that's the the
0: overall theme to
1: commodities and food uh based commodities and energy. Uh, alike. I think we've just all of a sudden, as soon as the calendar hit 2023, everybody got back into that mode of, oh my God, what are we going to do for supply chain? Oh my goodness, what's the global look for uh, economics? What's the the use pattern for people and consumer and the term inflation? I mean, equities are getting slammed and commodity mm-hmm. prices are going up through the roof still. And one of the things that you and I talked about prior to the the recording today is is this a normalcy is q1 of every calendar year a little bit of a normalcy when you see the bias to perhaps the direction on commodities? so this is a great time for you and I to
0: talk through that a little bit no absolutely so and you know what i'm not i'm going to i'm going to kind of plug early here we we're talking about all the things going on uh, you know we've got the potential recession here in the united states is china going to pull out of out of their out of their slump uh, all kinds of, of macro factors that that are going to influence this year, and so I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit and plug. I'm doing a risk management uh, webinar next Wednesday. That's the, right. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yep, the, the emails emails have already gone out. If you didn't get one, don't worry. Don't fret. Uh, you can <laughs> you can jump on the McKinney Flavel. Uh, website and that is is McKinney-Flavel.com. you can register right there so uh yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna go into some depth of, on the economic uh kind of macro side but let's get back let's get back to uh, yeah. this kind of fir- first portion of the year and how it generally affects prices and i I, I wrote a few uh, scratch paper notes down so I, i'll I'll hit a little bit on corn and soybeans and then uh, go from there. I think the first thing is to get a little bit grounded in reality because it's been my experience that people and I call it the seasonality factors that people tend to overemphasize the impact of seasonality on some of these contracts. <laughs> but they're yes. but but they are they're absolutely present. So let me let me give you I, I pushed it out a little further. I looked at from January first to the end of May. So okay. the first the first five months of the year. Now the average increase over the last 20 years, and this is my, I'm not going to get into the details, but this is my detrended math on on how to how to calculate seasonality. The average increase for corn has been about 7.5%. Okay. So today at 6.60, and this is for the December contract. So yeah, I'm, this I'm is looking, for yeah, the, yeah, the deferred. Yep, this is for new crop corn, exactly. So if you look at, you know, Deese corn today, r- roughly around 6.60, that's about a 50 cent Increase in the price of corn, all things, all, all else being being held equal. equal. So, yeah. I mean that that's that's a significant move. That, you know, if we were looking at something more 450-ish on average, it wouldn't be as big. But that's what we've seen over the last twenty years. But really, what I think in the corn side, what's what's more interesting is, yeah, it's a fifty cent move. It happens about you know you get about seven and a half, seven eight percent. But it's happened fifteen of the last twenty years. That mm-hmm. We have ended higher. At the end of may than we then we were uh, at the beginning of january so yes. while the impact is not as great as i think people think it is the probability is very very high
1: yeah and that's a very good thing to, as a gauge point sean for any looking at commodities if you're looking at a bias gauge the probability of the continuation of a theme and this one proves you know, you've got a lot of factors going on in that. South America has gotten through its harvest. You've got North, Northern Hemisphere getting into its planting seasons and any kind of volatility in the weather creates more risk uh, and therefore creates this general concern over not having a crop. So that makes sense. That really makes sense.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because we just, as at the beginning of the year, we're all thinking about what the crop's going to look like at the end of the year, what our stock's going to look like at the end of the year. And really until we get mid year, we We don't really know. (laughs) It's all, we don't really know. And so there's that, there's that continuous climb uh, in December and in corn and soybeans and in a little bit lesser degree wheat through the, through the first half of the year. and, and, it, it's not as prominent. I'll give you some numbers November soybeans. It's not as prominent in soybeans. It's been a little bit more than 50-50. So about 55% of the time, we are higher at the end of May than we are uh, at the beginning of January. The average increase is about two and a half percent, which at 1350 uh, soybeans, November soybeans, is only about $0.34. Cents. So it's it's a little bit more muted yeah. in soybeans. And, you know, probably because that crop is getting bigger in other places. Uh, you, you probably speak more to that, but uh, certainly more muted than what we see in corn. It'll
1: be very interesting going forward. You know, this is a uh, 20-year average, you know, so you're looking into the last 20 years. Correct. One of the factors that has changed in the last, say, 18 months to two years has been the use of soybean oil as a fuel. You bet. That's, you know, the renewable biodiesel industry is not fledgling, but it's certainly caught the global attention. Uh, And has become a larger percent of the value of soybeans in the last, I would say, 24 months versus the traditional soybean meal is what you crushed beans for. So it'll be very interesting to watch, Sean, over the next two, four, five years out, that if you don't see a little bit more of a raise in the volatility, uh, January, May, and the probability of of a bullish bias because of the use of crush, on beans right. uh, globally for for as a feedstock for a renewable biodiesel, no different than corn in the United States is used for ethanol. So since two thousand and five, yeah. so that's just kind of a an observation that we may want to watch moving forward on that on that uh, complex on the soy complex. But in general, the volatility remains, which is what's going to be a theme to next week's uh, webinar, I'm sure. Uh, in general now the thing that i've been yep. trying to get my hands on and just really focus my attention on is the economic outlook and the health of our economy and the global economy and how that might trigger some slowdown in demand because inflation mm-hmm. is has been talked about at nauseum. we don't really need to bend that ear anymore because we've all watched it. It's happened. It's happening. The thing that we don't know is the curvature of the demand base. And, you know, in sugar, for example, one of the things that everybody has been keeping their eye on is, is the demand real? Because everybody that you've talked to, whether you watch TV, radio, podcasts, Webinars is telling you in in any kind of print press is telling you sugar consumption should be going down based on the added sugars campaign to reduce your caloric content and use of uh, of sugar. Yet over the last two years, we've seen massive growth uh, in sugar use uh, domestically here. So I'm watching to see if we finally see the true up of demand curve is consumers behavior. Uh, when things get expensive uh, and the confectionery industry is already hinting that uh, demand is starting to wane because they've taken such price increases at the retail level. So we're going to find out, but my gut tells me sugar demand will be muted comparatively
0: to the past two to three
1: years. That's just
0: my take on sugar. I got, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, a question on that. So, and I don't know this, you're, you're, you're the expert on this, is Some of, is some of this increase in sugar demand... Uh, that we that was a little bit unexpected given the health concerns and all that. Is some of this because some of the quote fake sugars have have turned out to be really not the panacea that that everyone thought they were? <laughs> well, there's certainly been an interesting
1: dynamic because most consumers uh, started to see the difference between high fructose uh, corn syrup and sugar in their eyes based on advertising. That's been muted. Uh, now it's whether it's high fructose corn syrup or sugar, they've kind of been bent as, eh, that's not so good for you. But then, worse for you, is what they have called high intensity sweeteners and artificial sweeteners. So, so anything like saccharin, yeah, or those are the ones. Uh, I'm talking aspartame about. Yeah. or any of those, they have definitely started seeing a worse uh, consumer behavior. It's natural, natural, natural is what they're after. So there's some products out there, Sean, that would be suggested as as substitutes. The problem that most of them have is price point against the price of sucrose, despite the fact that we've seen increases in the price of sugar. Some of these alternatives are even more expensive, uh, even, even in the natural ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and the odd thing about all of this, is that sucrose and high fructose corn syrup are synonymous with oh, that's bad for you, but yet they are naturally reoccurring in anything and everything that you eat, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> so, whether right. you eat a carrot, a potato, or anything else, um, they are naturally occurring sugars inside those products, they're just not extracted. To create sweetness in in products, you know, so for beverage or for for confection or what have. Right. That's it's just an interesting dynamic. So when you eat a salad and it's got carrots or it's got radishes, it does have sucrose in it. So you're eating sucrose, people. So
0: yeah, I, I mean say. we're we may be running off on a little <laughs> bit of a tangent, but I, but I think it's <laughs> yeah, kind, no. I think it's kind of important because, I mean, I think the industry. You know the industry; it's all about sales, right? We're trying to promote, yeah. we're trying to promote sales, we're trying to sell food, whatever kind of food products they are. And for a while, that that theme was, you know, sugar bad and uh, and and HFCs uh, really bad, and and they just kind of went with it. But but now now it's hitting people's pocketbook. You know, we, we yeah, and, I agree. And, and and in the end, I think the consumer probably wants they want a value for that product so you know they they are weighing the the potential health cost but in the end look i think people are you know, maybe they read the label, maybe they don't. I think people are just a lot more focused today in a six percent inflation world on, on bingo. Just trying to get through the grocery line without, <laughs> you know, giving up uh, your your firstborn, right?
1: Absolutely. Don't bankrupt me when I go through the the turnstile yeah. at the grocery store. Absolutely agree. Absolutely
0: agree. Don't even talk about eggs, right? I mean, just yeah. Just, no,
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's well, and and on that, you know, we, like you said, we we talk about inflation. I certainly do a lot, but uh, yeah, I you know, I think the uh, the reason we're here is, is just the giant stimulus party uh, that we've effectively had in this country for the last uh, fifteen plus years in zero interest rates and enormous uh, purchases of treasuries by the Federal Reserve, and then COVID just accelerated everything to the nth degree you know we're issuing checks to people and uh, people's wallets got fat and they, they they went out and everybody not only did they spend the check they they pulled the credit card out too and and now we've got a fairly indebted society and rates that are much much higher than a lot of people that <laughs> you know, a lot a lot of young folks have no idea what a ten percent plus mortgage looks oh. like, and uh, and they may find out soon. But uh, yeah,
1: I would I would I agree with you a hundred percent, and I think that's where the demand curvature uh, that we're all anticipating and is coming. Yep. And whether that happens in Q one, Q two, or even is pushed out towards twenty twenty four, it is upon us. And I I think where you're going to see the cycle of the the volatility of commodities, whether they're hedgeable or not, is going to continue to go up and why you need to have a good risk management program in place. But it's also the fact that people are going to have to decide whether or not they believe that demand is going to slow down based on these inflationary comments. And if it does, that could trigger a little bit of a downside potential. In the price of goods mm-hmm. uh, because as, as demand slows, uh, we'll catch up on supply. And, and of course you need good crops, but if you get the crop conditions, even if they're not ideal to be favorable, uh, you can see us catching back up and doing some stocks building for the first time in maybe four years. Yep. And if that happens, that's when you start to see the change in the attitude towards people as far as, oh, we're not in panic mode anymore. Mm-hmm and that's what i think we're we're ready to experience. And again, timing of that could be as far out as december of next of this year and but i tend to believe it's going to happen within the next 6 months.
0: Yeah. That'd be I, my gut. I, I was leaning towards that as well, uh, earlier rather than later. I was at a conference this last weekend and uh, some of the folks thought that the 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 heart of this recession would be more of a 20 early 2024 event. But you know, when you talk about demand and it's a new world. You just you just talk about it a few minutes ago. We have food demand, and then we we've got energy demand, and now oh, and yeah, now there they're you go. now they're combined. And and I think uh, if I'm using the right economic term, food demand is a little bit inelastic. We don't just stop. Eating, yes, right? we can't. Correct. That's not correct. That's not on the menu, right? We we all still have to eat. So food demand is going to come down. Probably, it's not going to come down as much as other things that are that are more discretionary. Uh, energy is more discretionary today, and so I think I think as this, this you know I don't know we want to call it a recession yet or low to no growth as that becomes a, a reality over the next six to you know eighteen months. Uh, how much how much energy demand degradation are we going to have, and how much is that going to impact commodity prices like like you said corn for ethanol and soybean oil for uh, renewable diesel and all the other things that go yeah. along with that. So.
1: Well, it's, it's got to have people's attention. And all I can say is is that you can't be casual observers. No. Uh, if there's a year where you really need to keep your mind's eye on, uh, maybe on a weekly basis or no less than a couple of every other week, uh, to the directional uh, movement or bias of ingredient costs, it's this year. Uh, I just think we're at a turning point. Uh, and you don't want to be getting – Yourself caught up in every day, but you definitely need to be paying attention because it is going to have a a, a potential reversal at some point, and you want to make make sure that you're available to that absolutely uh, when it when it happens. Sean, I think that uh, we've covered a lot. Yeah, here, we have. But bottom line is, is that tune in next week uh, <laughs> for the webinar that you're going to be hosting.
0: I think is probably the next
1: thing. I think that's a that good People start. ought to be ready for.
0: I also think, you know, on that whole line, hey, we're uh, we're doing a spring seminar in April in my backyard in Oakbrook, Illinois, and that's uh, right. you know, staying with this theme of uh, staying with the markets, and uh, uh, that's another great event. That uh, is now you can now register on our website. I'm guessing that's there right. Were some emails that went out, but uh, that's going to be a fun one. We've got this uh, what do you call it red carpet theme? I guess we're going to be exactly handing out. We're some, handing out some awards, some commodity <laughs> awards. It's a major award, Brad Geely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. so uh, absolutely. That's going to be a good time. Uh, it's
1: always a good time and good timing. End of April. It's uh, to your point about the bias uh, maybe reversing or, or changing uh, by the end of, you know, end of May, we're, we're at the end of April, we're going to be looking at plantings that have been going on for maybe 30 days at that point for a lot of these crops. So good time to have a chance to talk with everybody in
0: Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, the crystal ball should be a little a little clearer at that point on uh, what's going on. So, Good all deal. right, well, we've we've, we've, we've probably that up. run our our time <laughs> probably run our time up here as as the folks in the background are going. All right, wrap it up, wrap, wrap it, it up. up. All That's right, it. so we will wrap it up, and uh, that will be our weekly hot commodity podcast this week. I want to thank everyone for listening in. As always, thanks for joining us. And as Mike Coughlin, our chief commander, likes to say, "Live with an attitude of gratitude." I think I, you know, every time I hear that, I mean, I know we say it a lot, but uh, you know, you dig deep into that. It's, there's there's a lot there. You know, Agreed. A lot of good, a lot of good in that statement. So I agree. Was, first t- first time I heard that, I, I thought, you know, that's that's just a great short statement. So uh, thanks, Craig, for, yeah. for joining on today. And until next time, take care, everyone. Take care, everybody. Woohoo! Bye. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit mckinney-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.